it was a surprise. And I think that's what it takes. That's what it took to kind of shake me out of stuff was to sit down with the thing that I wasn't expecting to be good and have it be good and, and feel like, oh shit, I did that. Okay, I can still do this. And Welcome to Trail Effect. I am your host, Josh Blum. Trail Effect is a show that dives into the stories behind trails, the communities that embrace trails, and the people who rely on trails as a way of life. The goal of this show is to turn the stories you will hear from our guests into useful knowledge that can be applied to your community while providing some entertaining and inspirational content. Guests on Trail Effect include trail builders, board members, community leaders, volunteers, and regular people who really enjoy trails. If you are new to the Trail Effect podcast, check out our ever-expanding library of episodes. Episode 83 is part two of the Aaron Peterson story. If you have not listened to part one, you should definitely go back and do so as it will help you make sense of part two. In this part of the interview, Aaron shares the backstory behind the movie 24 Leeches. I am at a loss of words to better describe this. Aaron also talks about getting back to work after his life was turned completely upside down by taking on the documentary titled Unforgettable, which is a film about bikepacking around the perimeter of the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, featuring the infamous Todd Paquette and crew. Ultimately, I feel extremely fortunate and inspired by Aaron and the opportunity to capture a lot of Aaron's life through this interview. I hope you all walk away with the same inspiration that Aaron shares here. The value for value concept is something that has caught my attention. If you find value in the Trail Effect podcast, you now have a way to provide value for that value via Patreon for Trail Effect. This podcast is an Evolution Trail Services production. For more information about Evolution Trail Services, go to www.evotrails.com. Now on to the Trail Effect with Aaron Peterson, part two. You created a film. We're going to, we're going to go. You probably know where I'm going with this. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's fine. You don't have to shy away from it. You created a film that has been to multiple film festivals called 24 leeches. And it's a super powerful film. Let's talk about that. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's arguably, I mean, when I, when I, when it, when you strip it all away, it might be the only important thing I've done so far. Uh, it, when I look at what I've done, it's, bikes are fun and you know ice climbing is fun and but the films is really aren't that important they're, they're entertaining and they, you know they've moved the needle on local economies and stuff but um 24 24 leeches um when it, when i set out to do it was uh it was it was the early days of the trump administration and uh you know science didn't seem to matter anymore uh you know we're we're staring uh, a, a climate crisis in the face. I'm looking at my young kids and having conversations and realizing that in a lot of ways they get it and they're going to inherit this. And we all do it lip service, but it's like, no one is doing, it just feels like no one is doing anything. And, and uh, I, I wanted to tell, a story again a lot of the stories being told and they were being told super well and they're super powerful were about ice caps and glaciers and sea sea uh sea sea coasts you know and rising rising sea rising ocean levels and ocean acidity and like those super important global shifts that i think go through the news feed and maybe don't 
don't hit you in the heart the way that something in your own backyard does. And um, there was research out of, uh, I think it was University of Minnesota Duluth on the effects on Northern lakes uh, from climate change. And that Northern lakes uh, were warming like 10 times faster than other, other things. Uh, I'm going to botch the science here, but you, you, you can go track it down and it's, it's disturbing. But, you know, Lake Superior, we all know it's like it's 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 cold. Right. And or it, it at least holds its temperature. So it's you know cold in the summer and it's relatively warm in the winter. It gives us all this amazing snow. Uh, you know, it, it's just this this like, you know, almost like a regional deity. You know, it, it's this huge life force. And we just take for granted that it is crystal clear and cold and pure. And, you know, people you can drink right out of it, you know, and and. Uh, you realize that it's warming 10 times faster than, uh, I don't know. Again, I'm going to botch the science here, but it, it's warming much faster than other things globally that I think just because it is so cold and that's going to, that's going to change. I mean, a lot of the reason that it's pure is because of the temperature. Like it doesn't support the same kind of like microbial and, algae growth that warmer bodies of water do and so it's this special unique thing and like that is all shifting right in front of our eyes one generation and having those conversations with 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 my kids um i decided to i wanted to do a film about that you know we do we um we i really i struggle here because my life the family's changed so much right like i mean Every, it was all done with my ex-wife and I, I don't, I, I still struggle on how to like work that in and be respectful. But so, um, as a family, we were doing a, a lot of canoe trips, uh, on Lake Superior, you know, the, the kids were just sort of getting to the age where they were, they were tough enough to do backcountry, uh, you know, extended multi-day, even like week or two week trips but they were little enough that we could still just sort of, you know, put them in a canoe and the canoe was sort of the, the vessel, the adventure, adventure mobile for the family. We could set them, you know, side by side on a, on a seat and do a, a canoe trip. And, uh, and they were, they were happy about it, you know, and, and, uh, it wasn't too hard on them. And there's this place I've always wanted to go, uh, called the Slate Islands, um, up in Ontario. It's the super weird geologic spot where uh, an asteroid hit the earth a long 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 time ago formed a mountain range if you can believe it which then you know the earth split open the continental rift blah 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 glaciers ice ages uh the lake superior basin and now you have an island <laughs> where it's basically the top of an old mountain where an asteroid hit if you can, it's just mind blowing. And it's like, if you look at it, it's perfectly circular. Like the, the cluster of islands are this perfect circle about 10 miles offshore, um, of right about dead center in Lake Superior, 10 miles offshore of, uh, on the Ontario side. And not only is that super rad, but there's caribou that live on them. Uh, woodland caribou, like who knew, you know, I've been living up here 20 years and like, you're like, wait, well, there's, caribou like we have caribou and they're woodland caribou so they're, they're different than their their tundra cousins and i saw this metaphor um i was like there's this island in this cold body of water where this species lives and is essentially trapped 
and everything's heating up around them. And I'm like, let's go explore that with the kids. And let's, let's talk about that. Let's, let's talk about that. And that, you know, that earth is an Island and, um, there's this species that, you know, like we are that species, you know, like zoom out. That's us. We're, we're going to cook and there is no other place to go. Um, so documentary filmmaking, that's what you have in your head. You go up there the winter before there'd been this super cold winter and the ice had frozen out to the islands and wolves had gotten out there and <laughs> killed all the caribou and what caribou they did kill left the island over the ice so when we got there there were like two caribou left and you know it, even though it's a cluster of islands it's still a pretty big area and so there were no caribou we found some bones and stuff so that whole thing went out the window like i've been watching youtube videos of these caribou like coming into people's camps because they're not afraid of people they don't they don't know and like they're so salt starved they like come in and they would like eat the ashes out of out of your campfire for the trace minerals and stuff like they were like there's like right in your campground tripping over your tent strings and stuff. So I was all ready to like shoot these epic wildlife scenes with the kids, you know, and is my, my son, uh, jo Josiah, who uh, he was eight at the time. Uh, my daughter, Isla, who uh, was five at the time. And uh, my, uh, my, my, my then wife, uh, Kristen, she's uh, we're since, since divorced. So we went up there in our big red canoe and uh, we were, we we're going to spend 10 days and explore these islands and, and, you know, I was going to film it in a documentary style and, and do something with climate change. Uh, and I, I didn't know what, and we went up there, we filmed it. We had an amazing trip. It was hard. It was the middle of July and we were in our puffy coats because it was like daytime highs in the fifties. It was your kids had wetsuits on. Oh, we lived in wetsuits. Yeah. And yeah, we put that we into perspective. It. Yeah. We, I mean, Part of that is safety being on Lake Superior, uh, you know, most of the year, actually almost all the year I, I wear a wetsuit just for safety reasons, especially with the kids, you know, just not. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the kids are in wetsuits. Yeah. We have a joke. We, there's this, it was a certain, if anybody spent any time around neoprene knows, uh, there's a certain funk that develops. We call it neoprene weenie. <laughs> <laughs> so we were all the pretty, kids. You gotta love that. Oh, we're, yeah. We're pretty stinky. And, and, wet you know the bugs the black flies were popping and you know the kid kids are just sort of helpless again and we had head nets but the kids you know they don't want to wear head nets so like they're getting all bit up and my little girl's eyes are swollen up but like i mean it's total feral child paradise and uh you know we we, we caught lake trout we you know it's like some of the first first real fishing that you know we've done as a family you know the kids are old enough to like Josiah especially was able to cast, you know, and, and, you know, hooked into some pretty nice Lakers right off the shore. And we, we, we would troll for Lakers. And so we're catching fish and exploring and, uh, uh, and having, having good conversations, big conversations about, I mean, it's cold and it's July. And, and you know, how is that? Well, it's because Lake Superior is this special place. It's so cold, but it's, you know, it's, it's warming up because of, this and this and maybe some stuff we don't understand yet and um so yeah it was it was a fantastic trip and we we came back uh you know this was it was 2017 we we did the the trip i started working on it uh editing it wasn't real sure what to do with it because it wasn't what i'd gone in hoping to do it wasn't um, a bunch of caribou that you could film tripping over your camping gear 
it wasn't this yeah epic you know again you have this i think this is true of parenting and maybe everything but it's like you have this vision of what it's going to be and and it, when it doesn't go that way it, you know you get caught kind of flat-footed and um so i had this all this footage it was beautiful footage of kids like just in nature just being i I believe the way we're meant to be and uh didn't know what to do with it and so i started you know we've done a lot of camping uh we've spent a lot of time together my son and i uh i mean he was he was a really special kid um just you know intelligent beyond his ears like a true old soul um a true old soul we uh, you know kind of a, a math and science geek you know, and just, just a quirky, fun guy. And, um, he would, you know, he very, very deep thinker, you know, he'd kind of be quiet. And then he just, he'd be playing Legos and over on the windowsill or something. And, you know, we're, we're all going about our business. And then he would just sort of come out of nowhere with this deep thought, you know, and just like, what, like, what, like it, it, it felt like, you know, information from somewhere else was like passing through this little body and coming to, towards us. And, um, and I, I thought, you know, what if, what if this was told through, through his voice? Like, what if this was him, this was his trip, uh, you know, it was him narrating and navigating this. And, um, so I started thinking about all the conversations he and I had had and, um, things we talked about as a family and, um, um, experienced over, you know, you know, his eight years of, uh, of camping and we've been camping and doing that sort of stuff pretty early on. Um, so he had, he had experienced a lot already in a lot of cool places, you know, Montana and Moab and, um, where, uh, you know, the Carolinas just, yeah, all over. And, uh, I started working on a script, you know, writing it in, in, in his voice. And he and I would kind of, you know, I'd run it by him. We'd kind of go back and forth on it. He would tell me if things were weird sometimes, but, and, um, I started editing, editing it around that and, um, had him do a rough voiceover, um, just basically as a placeholder, um, we would, uh, and so, <laughs> It's a mountain bike podcast. So here, here's the, here's the kicker. The, uh, the kids have chore charts, you know, and, uh, they were, they're earning things and, uh, he wanted a fat bike. Like he, he grew up in the shadow of cold rolled and all those Trek videos. And like, I, you know, I, I'm honestly, I'm more of a cross country skier and a backcountry skier than a, a fat biker. But I, you know, I've always had fat bikes around and he thought they were, he thought they were really cool. And, he wanted one, you know, specialized, had the, uh, the fat boy. And, uh, so he was, he was working towards earning, uh, a bike. And so one of his big tasks was he'd get like double or triple points for working on the, the script with me and the voiceover, you know, helping, uh, help, helping me with that. And so we, we kind of pieced together this, this placeholder script for the video so I could keep editing it and kind of shape it around, around his voiceover. And, uh, the plan was to go back once we had it in place, go back and do like a final pass with higher quality audio. You know, we just sort of did it uh, in, in the living room. Um, 
with a little a zoom recorder kind of like what we're using for this just a zoom recorder with the internal mics you know i put a piece of tape on the floor so you know because he's eight years old so he's dancing in place and he's uh, he was I, he was nine by then but um yeah so he, he wasn't holding still so i was just like okay you gotta you know toe the line the mic's here and uh keep your hands at your sides <laughs> and, and we uh I'm joking that like, Hey, when I grew up, I grew up on working on farms, man. Like there's a lot of other chores you could be doing. It's not so yeah, bad to no kidding. <laughs> have to work on a video. You could be shoveling. Um, and, uh, and he, he did a great job. I mean, he just, he just, he just killed it. He did a really beautiful job of, uh, like really, I think uh, taking it in and thinking about the script and, and then using his, uh, a lot of times, some of it he modified, you know, and he, he ad-libbed back to me just sort of, little things that definitely help the authenticity and the, uh, the feel of it. Um, but you know, it was already like February, March. Um, uh, I, I tried to get it out to a festival, like a rough cut, basically like saying, Hey, I'm working on this, you know, can you, can you save a space for it? And I'll, I'll have it done. And, uh, it, it didn't, it didn't go that year. So that, that would have been 18, so it, it didn't, didn't go that year. And I just, I got busy with work, got busy with life. Um, uh, and then, yeah, we ended up, uh, uh, his mom and I ended up separating that, that year. And, um, you know, it just, it got yeah, complicated. Um, it kind of went, went by the wayside. Um, kids were good. You know, it was like super good dad time. Just, really enjoyed parenting on my own, honestly, and got to spend some really good, good time with them. Um, another year went by and, uh, uh, just, I got sick. He, um, uh, was like around Memorial day of, uh, 2019. Um, we, we found out he had, uh, he had, he had cancer. He had uh, a form of leukemia. Um, and, um, give, you know, he kind of been complaining of some shoulder pain and, uh, but you know, he's a, at this point he's, he's 10, so he's, he's a 10 year old boy. I mean, bruises, scrapes, you know, they're, uh, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't uncommon, but yeah, he had to get him, he, he had cancer and, um, no big deal. They, they've been they've been kicking leukemia's ass for a long time um and uh you know we, we went down to milwaukee um children's hospital and um you know settled in uh for, for all the chemo and everything and uh he uh he beat it like he was he he had it beat he had cancer beat he was like cancer free you know i think it was like july 1st or something you know it was like right around independence day and we were just like we got to I got to bring him home um, for for a couple of days, uh, and he ended up getting a fever real bad, and we couldn't figure out what it was. And uh, uh, it ended up being a, um, uh, a a fungal infection, uh, something you know your body fights off every day. Spores are everywhere. Like you know, they're honestly they're in all the cool places. You know, that's the irony of this is like anywhere that's fun for a 10 year old boy to be there's going to be spores <laughs> in the woods under leaves you know crawling under things like uh you know mountain biking anything like there's there's uh 
spores are everywhere and our body just deals with it. You know, we've evolved together. Our white blood cells kill them. But when you have cancer, you don't have any white blood cells and uh, they kill you. Yeah, it was uh, not too long before we had met maybe a month before that. I'm I'm thinking you and I had and I remember, you know, we you know, you become Facebook friends and all that stuff that you do. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember seeing that first post that you put on Facebook and as a, as a father with two young daughters, I, that was just, that was a huge gut punch for me. It's like, holy shit. Yeah. It's like, it's your firstborn, you know, it's your boy, you know, he had, uh, he had my, my middle name, you know, just, it's, it's all your hopes and dreams, right? Like it's, you want to do everything right. You know, and, uh, and God, we were doing such a good job too. Like he was such an amazing kid, you know, like we really felt like, even you know, before he got sick, we're just like, what does this guy turn into? Like, like what, like he's, he's going to be special. Every parent loves their kids and their kids are special, but like this guy came from somewhere else. It felt like, and, and, uh, and we, we actually used to, not joke but like we're like he like he doesn't he's too good for this world like he's too too pure like he wasn't your normal boy like i was i was sort of you know like he wasn't like a naughty little boy or like the crazy little boy or the destructive you know like he uh, he was like this old soul and um i just felt like he was gonna do amazing things and uh but yeah so yeah we ended up you know, he just, he never came back home. He, uh, we went back to the hospital and, uh, the, by the time that we figured out what it was, it was a fungal infection. And, you know, I mean, it's 20, 20, 2019 at that point, you know, like you think, and I think the pandemic showed us all this. You think we know everything. Like it is so easy to think we've got it all figured out scientifically and, socially and you bump up against things like that you realize like there's like two antifungal medicines like there's like two and when neither of them work you sit there and you you watch your kid die and he uh yeah it it was in his lung because he breathed it in it got into his blood it spread to his brain and essentially just colonized his brain and he yeah, uh, we got to be with him, you know. Um, but he uh, passed away August first, two thousand nineteen. Um, and uh, I'm, honestly, I'm still lost. <laughs> I I couldn't I, as a as a parent again. I I couldn't imagine. You talk about the old soul and in that, that totally comes through in the narrating of 24 leeches. Yeah. So, um, and it, it, and you could just tell like any, in the humor he had, you know, like having to sit next to his <laughs> sister, but it's all yeah. right. Yeah. They, oh, they were so, I mean, they're so sweet. 
it's so it's it's when when this happens uh you know obviously like isla uh, his sister's still with us and i mean she's thriving she's she's an only child who is loved from every direction and you know you talk about community and like this you know the marquette community is embraced you know her her and her mom live in town and like there's just there's this just total uh army of people out to make her life good you know and 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 she's she's doing good and uh it's it's just it's tough because you're stuck uh you're 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 you can't stop thinking about the child you lost and you, <laughs> and you and you have to you have to be there for the one the one you still have and and try and help what can never make sense make sense and uh, so after that um you know i i had had it's tough because you have this thing that is so personal and so hard and then it spills over into your your work life uh your professional life which is uh, different you know it's it's uh, it's it's hard when the two blend together because one you can hide you know you hide in your profession you know, it's easy to hide in your work and um so i i uh we his mom and i wanted to get um 24 leashes done um and uh for his, his celebration of life that we had and uh and um i I had to dive in again and, um, you know, finish a project that was sort of on hold, partly because I didn't think it was finished. You know, I didn't, I didn't think it was where it needed to be. I wanted another, I wanted to go back to it. I wanted to, to, he and I did to do some more work on it. Um, and you know, yeah, that's not going to happen. It's, it's, a. Uh, that's that's those are the last conversations you know and uh recorded conversations and it's the last chance to get so i had to dive in with that and um uh that finishing that was uh I, words don't even you know it was you know it was like spiritual and religious and all the worst and best sense because you're, you know, again, I've talked about the cave, right? You're, you're, most of the time you're editing in the dark, you know, maybe you got a, a desk lamp or something so you can see the keyboard, but you're editing. So you're just sitting alone in the dark with the kid and you're looking at him and he's so alive and uh, so alive and he's right there. And, uh, and that's, that's the only way you'll, you know, you'll have them ever. Um, and, uh, I kind of realized, um, I mean, it, it wasn't, it wasn't all at once aha moment, but I sort of started to realize that, you know, those lessons that you, the lessons that you, um, try and teach your kids, you know, like I think a lot of us that embrace, whether it's, you know, biking or, or just anything like doing, 
doing difficult things, uh, you know, it could be physical or, or I think I was always thinking of it as, as physical of like, okay, we got to do these hard things. And, you know, when you do these things, there's good things on the other side, you know, it's like, you know, we don't go out and canoe, you know, 25 miles in the rain because it's fun. We do that because when you get there, you have s'mores and you have this campfire and you have loons and you have this time together in a tent and, uh, and, uh, you know, the the importance of maybe doing difficult things, things that you don't want to do. And, uh, and it just dawned on me, like, it's like that lesson coming, coming right back. Cause I, I would have loved to just curled up and, uh, walked away from that you know like just not not looked at that not tackled that and uh um not had to have to go through that uh process of, of finishing that and editing it and um spending that time with him uh in that way and uh but then the project that came out of it and, you know and i really just I didn't really care professionally what came of it. I just, I wanted it to be done and I wanted to share them uh, with the world. And, uh, and for his mom and his sister and, you know, everybody that loved them just to, to have that piece of them too, and uh, to have it out in the world. And, uh, and uh, it ended up, um, just, you know, being embraced, uh, like just the, the outpouring of sentiment um, around that project. Um, you know, it was the first film I did that, that was accepted into Banff, uh, um, which for me was sort of like a, you know, it was definitely like on the professional to-do list, you know, like would love to be a part of that festival. And, um, uh, and you know, we had talked about it like, oh, you know, if this film gets into festivals, like, you know, we'll, you know, we'll go there and like, you know, we'll be on stage together and, you know, it might be a little awkward. <laughs> and I kept thinking of what his reaction would, would be, you know, because it, it, you know, it got accepted into uh, any festival that I would have, that I, you know, that I knew of and, and cared about. And um, a lot of festivals I didn't know about. And it, you know, it was the first film that, won awards um i'd never i never pursued that i didn't really you know it just wasn't a thing like with any of my other projects i was getting paid to to do them and that was for me that was that was enough i mean it was my job and i was lucky that was that was good enough and uh the awards uh, but then to for it to be him uh you know and, and for, for him and his voice and thoughts and beauty uh to be you know people people recognizing that, you know, it, it got a, it was a judge's, uh, uh, a, a jury special mention or, uh, with BAM, uh, which was, I mean, that's huge. Like the people on that jury are the best in the industry and, and just super, super good people. And, and for them to recognize, I think the importance of, of that and, and, and a lot of it too was, you know, the film doesn't talk about what happened to him. It's just, it's just him. It's him alive and it's him sharing this, this story and, and, you know, concern about what's happening in the world. So a lot of, a lot of people came to the project. A lot of viewers came to the project, uh, 
you know, fell in love with him, which, you know, is impo- impossible not to do. Uh, and, and then, and then learned that, that he, he had passed away and were just, they were mourning, uh, they're mourning with me. And, um, this is, this is, this is 2020, you know, this is when we are all isolated more than we ever thought we could be. And to, um, to have that happen, to have that, that outpouring, um, then a lot of parents that just, you know, I really hit them. Um, a lot of kids too, you know, I, I, people tell me that they shared it with their kids and like had good conversations around it. So it was just, you know, in, in a way, personally, it doesn't really ease the pain, but big picture, you know, that he lives on, uh, in everybody that watched it and heard him. And, uh, and that it made it, it made a small difference. Um, so, you know, as a parent, you sit there and you wonder what would he have been, you know, like he, he would, he'd be 13. He would have turned 13 this year. And, uh, you know, you can't help every, every birthday. Just like, what would that be like? What, what would he be doing now? You know, would he, would he be would it be soccer, bikes, you know, would he just be like science club, drama, you know, well, what would he be? And, he's sort of frozen in that, that beautiful moment. And that's what he is. That's what, that's what he'll, he'll always be. And a little time capsule. So, yeah. uh, Yeah. So miss, miss the hell out of them, you know, coming up on on the third anniversary of, of losing them and, uh, everything just gets a little harder this time of year. And, uh, um, miss them every day it the pain the pain shifts it eases you know or, uh, it 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 changes it doesn't go away it changes and there's good days and bad days and if you have a good day then you feel bad that you had a good day you know but it's he was an amazing amazing kid super special kid and uh I feel really lucky to have spent 10 years with uh, such a cool kid and uh, to learn. I mean, <laughs> we all think we're, we're teaching them, right. You know, and they're teaching us. Oh yeah. They're, they're, they're teaching us how to stay kids, how to, how to, you know, be a good adult by staying a kid, hopefully staying curious, staying kind and caring. and. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And that, it totally comes through in the, in the film too. It's, you know, it's, it's an incredible film and it comes full circle because it's in the 2022 mountain film. Uh, yeah. 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 It was, which is what absolutely. brought you to the 2016 fresh coast film festival. Yeah. So it still yeah, kind of ties together. God, I didn't, I didn't even, I didn't really do the math on that. See, he, he was the math kid. I'm not a math guy. I'm, I'm, I'm a words guy and, uh, or I try to be. That's how he got yeah, 24 he, leeches. He was eight. He was eight in the film. And, you know, I, I went to mountain film in 14 and, uh, you know, his films there in 22. So that was, was it 20? Oh no, it was, I think it was 21 actually. For mountain film? 
Yeah, I, th- I think it was. I think it was twenty one. Yeah, yeah. It, it came. It it went yeah. back into the film festival <sighs> that got you into film festivals. Yeah, which is, absolutely. Which is the point that I mean, that's that's the full circle part of this is that. Yeah, that was and and, that definitely is something that. And he got incredible. that bike. He got, <laughs> he got, he got the, the fat boy. Oh, he got the fat boy. Yeah, he got it. Uh, winter of. He got it. Must have been winter of seventeen. No, it was spring. It was spring of eighteen. Like, you know, spring. There's still snow here, so. Yeah, yeah, we got it. I want to say February. Snow there. <laughs> yeah, February or or March, and and we got a couple a couple of good rides. And then he inst- instantly learned. I think the veil was lifted. How uh, it doesn't look like it does in the video. <laughs> that biking is not as be, easy as it looks. That biking can be really frustrating. <laughs> yeah, it can but, be. I mean, it was the bike was pretty big on him, and but he he loved that. He would monster truck around on that in the summer too. Like that would be the bike he would grab. And he'd just monster truck around on that thing in the yard. And, uh, yeah, we, we got some good rides in for sure. Yeah. One could venture to guess that he would, he might be part of 906 adventure team right now is one of his side side hobbies. Cause that's right in that. I mean, that's, that's their thing. Yep. Totally. Yeah. His, his mom and I had talked about that, maybe of getting him involved in that. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah so so if i'm reading this right this the script and the recordings that you use was the stuff that you thought would be just you know trial practice like we're gonna get a different shot at this and yeah you wouldn't and I'm, i say that because you would not know that from the film thanks yeah he i mean he he did a great job. You know, we, we did like, you know, it was like that 75% level, you know, we had a good recorder, you know, technically, but yeah, I wanted to go back and do it in like a sound room with a, a good mic and, you know, just try and make it as best as it could be. But it, none of that mattered, you know, it, it, when it all gets, and that's the kind of bullshit that just gets stripped away, you know, and since, since losing him, uh, I, I hope, I think, I'm, I'm a lot less likely to get pulled into those, those thoughts. It's just, um, so what, one thing that's shifted, you know, the worst thing, the worst things already happened. Uh, so there's nothing left to be afraid of uh, essentially. And, uh, that's been a shift, a shift for me. Um, this, the, the approach to life is, uh, what else, you know, what else, you know, it's already happened and um nothing's i shouldn't say nothing there's still scary things right but the anxiety and the uh the fear the what ifs the uh am i good enough is the world you know all of that crap finally you know got silenced uh, almost silenced i should say um, I mean, it's replaced with a whole nother bag of shit, but, <laughs> but, uh, of, of issues, but it's, it's, I can, I can walk into a room and not, not be afraid because he's already taught me how to do, you know, how, how to do the, hard, the hardest thing. Well, and I was just going to say, how is that, you know, just to turn that, if you can turn that into a positive, how has that helped you professionally and what, how have you kind of 
taking a different approach on maybe getting different projects and doing your work, like approaching your work differently now? Yeah. Um, I mean, on, on one hand, again, it's so hard to mix, to mix those two, you know, like, cause one is important and one really isn't when you zoom out, <laughs> you know, like nothing I do professionally is going to be nearly as important as being his dad and, and uh, going through all that. But I guess I would say on one hand, it's, it's been a ding for sure, because it's, it, it, it's trauma, man. Like it, 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 it breaks your brain in ways you didn't think were possible. Um, I don't remember things uh, like it's like P it's PTSD uh, from what I understand from, you know, <laughs> again, this all happened like going into a pandemic. So not exactly sitting down and <laughs> on a couch with a professional, you know, and, and working through it. It's, it's been DIY. So um, it, essentially PS PTSD and your, your brain is cracked in ways that uh, are, are hard to put back together. Uh, so that, that part, like creatively, uh, it's definitely been, it's been a ding, um, to try and, you know, I'll, I'll never be who I was. I can't think the way that I thought before and to make peace with that and harness that and shape that. And, you know, what's there's cracks, right? What's filling in those cracks and, and, and can, can that, can it make it stronger? And, um, I would say that lack of fear, that, that lack of, um, hesitation, um, just being willing to, to take on a challenge and to, to say, yes, lean in all that, you know, all those words, um, has definitely helped, you know, you can't, there's no substitute for confidence. And I wouldn't call this, I don't know, it's still not confidence. It's what it's ownership, I guess, ownership of 20 years of focus on, of a craft and owning that and, and being proud of it, not shying away from it, not, not being, you know, whatever that, whatever that is, that, that Midwest embarrassment that like, you know, am I good enough? The uh, imposter syndrome of just being like, I am 44. I had a 10 year old. I lost it. I lost a child. Like I, you know, you're here now and it's time to, it's time to be here now. You're, you know, embrace who you are and, and not being the, the scared kid that started this journey and be the, the adult that's inherited all of his hard work. Um, and make the world better somehow uh if if nothing else make it <laughs> maybe some humor you know uh toss a little humor in there and you know make make people laugh and and not take themselves so seriously yeah there are some there is a lot of shit we need to take seriously <laughs> it's, it's, you're doing that you're 100 percent doing that you know thanks. i mean the the films you make and you were doing that before you know, the films, the, the cold world, the, the, the blame, Dan you don't know how many times I've watched blame Danny. <laughs> like if it was a mixtape, like we were talking about mixtapes, it might be wore out. Right. Cause <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's, 
Yeah. And you know, and and you watch it for like, you know, I, 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 I was signed up for the Margie Gessick for this year. I just transferred out of it because my, uh, my priorities in life have shifted. Um, but there, that, that race and experiencing what Todd Paquette brings to the world with putting that race on is something that has definitely shaped me as a person. And so when I'd watch the blame Danny movie, it was sometimes it was in seriousness to kind of like, okay, mentally prep yourself for this day. Right. Cause it's, it's a hard day. Like in, in you, it comes through as it being a hard day. You know, there's one racer and I, I can't, and he's a, he's from Wisconsin. I can't think of his name right now, but he was, you portrayed him very well in the film that where like one minute he's holding onto his belt buckle, like the happiest person in the world. Right. Oh, with the crazy hair. Yeah. Yeah. And the then the next yeah, minute he's like, he's like totally shelled guy. sitting on the side of the road. Like what just happened to my life? He's, he's shaking. He's yeah. Like, well, dude slept in his car that night. Like, like he was up there, like he slept in his car. I think he, like he went over to his car and he laid down in the back seat and just like. Yeah. Well, and that's my point. Like, so I'd, I'd watch that film in some regards to get ready for that. And then you'd also watch it for. You know, like you talked about Danny Hill, like there's humor when you talk with Danny Hill, it's a, it's kind yeah. of a subtle, but when, when you know, Danny, like, and I've had, you know, I've been fortunate enough to, to also have him on the podcast, but to also just talk to him in person. And like, I didn't, you know, it's funny. Cause like when I went up there last year in 2021, he like had, he looked at me, he's like, do you recognize me? And I'm like, yeah, I do. Oh my God. What the hell? Like you got super long hair. Like you're a different person right now, visually. Yeah, Danny Hill abides. He's the dude. He's morphed into the dude. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, he looks good. Like, you know, it's just like, and that was, you know, just to have that conversation with him and, yeah, you know, and, but, you know, so you, you watch that film for different reasons. And like I said, one of it is the serious side of it to like get ready to like basically go to war with yourself mentally because that's what that is, you know, oh. and it's, it, and granted, it's a lot lighter version of it because it is at the end of the day, we're riding bikes and bikes are toys, right? That's, like that's what like let's be honest about it but bikes are our to, toys of privilege let's be honest about exactly it. exactly in real privilege be, you know and but at the same time you and even at the end of that film like you i laugh every time you you end up with those two kids and the little b and the bmx bikes this thing doesn't even have any brakes or something like that like so like that right uh filmmaking is a team sport right so that was steve farr just a friend. He's the marketing director for Black Rocks Brewery. Yeah. He was just at the finish line and with his camp. You know, I had asked him, I was like, hey, you just shoot any, you know, anything. So he shot that clip. He just sort of, there's these kids and he just started rolling. And, you know, like that film wouldn't be, it just wouldn't have the punch if you just get these two local kids at the end of the thing. And, you know, and they're just like, that's the reality of, of Ishwaming where it finishes. Like there's these, these kids on, bikes without brakes and there's a lot of people in the community working to change that i mean there's some amazing programs going on but like yeah i mean you want to talk about wild rides I and mean, the other pocket the po project pocket um you know i got dragged into another todd project um i don't know i don't know i mean this is this is getting going on but it, i can tell you about the unforgettable i mean unforgettable was i think an example of sort of that newfound effort you know effort i'm all in you know what, what what you know what i'm in sign me up you know like i between 
between divorce, trauma of a loss, and, and COVID. I mean, the last three years, hell, four years, because COVID isn't even over. No, it's uh, not. Has just, it's just, I mean, it's like gut punch, beat down, held underwater. You know, like it's just, but, you know, you come out just like, well, what else you got? You know, I'm still here. I'm, I'm, I'm still here, uh, you know, scraped through financially without much work, you know, and it's just like, and uh, the reality is we have to say yes to pretty much every, every project coming out of COVID. Like, let's be honest, like it was hard. And being a small business owner, I, I didn't get checks, you know, because on the books, you know, I, I just, I didn't qualify for any of that stuff. So it's like, ended up taking, you know, bailout loans, 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 loans that have to be paid back. Yeah, so not your hands, not PPP because we didn't have our, you know, we just didn't qualify for that. We're like too small for that and too big for the personal checks. It's like, you see this money like whizzing by. <laughs> so anyway, I'm not complaining because we survived and it, it, I think we came out of it stronger, but the reality is yeah, I've got a 30 year business loan to pay back and I'm 44 do the math. Like, that's not retiring at 62, you know, or 64. So anyway, yeah, Todd comes up with this plan to, to ride around the UP. And I, I still don't really know how the conversation happened, but my, my travel people call me up and they're like, like Todd's doing this thing. And, you know, what would it cost to do a film on that? And I was like, on, on, on what, you know, it's like, you don't, I'm like, nobody's going to, nobody's going to pay you to do that. Like nobody's going to pay you to spend that much time. Like that's just ridiculous. Like they're, ne they're never going to have the budget for that. So, you know, I just, I threw out a number. I wish I'd thrown out a bigger number. <laughs> well, cause let's talk about how many days it actually took you just to film it. Much less Dude, come up it, with a, a big film. It was, a, it's a 17 day boots on the ground bike trip. You know, so we're in a transit van, you know, with our bikes on the van. So a lot of, so one thing I just got to nail right off the bat is we did not ride it. Like people think we did that. And it's like, we, we did not do that. You like couldn't have got your equipment around all the places. If you're riding, it. we couldn't have done it the way we did. I mean, they, they did not stop. I mean, they rode centuries, backcountry centuries for 16 and a, you know, 16 days and then a half day. So I mean, it was 1650 miles, something like that. Like, you know, it started out, they were crushing like 80, 90 miles in the beginning because it was super hard terrain, no trails in some places. Yeah, so like it started up North of Copper Harbor. Yeah. Uh, the <laughs> very tip of, yeah. How do you get North of Copper? I think technically it's East at that point. It like, yeah, curls it might be back. East. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, they're, you know, they they were as far uh, north in Michigan as you can go with dry feet, you know, and, uh, started there and went counterclockwise around the physical outline of, of the UP, um, you know, road, gravel, a little bit of single track, a lot of sand. Um, but just, you know, overall, even riding the road is they're still crushing a century ride or Plus on a loaded plus tire bike bike packing they, they're bike back. I mean, those, they, they were loaded for bike packing on plus tire or, you know, plus size tires 
you know, they're not on road rigs. They're not on touring rigs. They're not on 700 C, you know, they're, they're barely, you know, able to hit 20 miles an hour, probably even just, you know, pushing. And, uh, you know, and they were like a handful of days where they had a lot, you know, those kind of conditions, but the most part it was, there was sand, rock river crossings. Like it was, is was, it was, it was legit. Um, I don't, you know, they didn't have to do it that way. I don't, some of the stuff Abandoned I was railroad like, tracks that they're riding down like that shot of, I know, <laughs> I know. I was like, I, why? Because, because Todd, because why, you know, why not? When else are you going to do it? So, um, so yeah, we spent at that time, uh, my employee was Cullen, uh, Cullen Bodie, awesome young guy, you know, hired him right out of Northern Michigan university, uh, and Lakeshore bike. Uh, so he was, he's a bike shop guy, grew up around bikes from twin cities, you know, raised high school league. And, uh, so he was, he was working full time with, with me. So we, we took it on. It was in the spring, which there isn't a whole lot of work for us. Those are sort of those in between seasons, you know, after the snow and before the green. And then, you know, in the fall after the orange and before the white, there's not those, those are our, our vacation times our like rebuilding times. Um, so we didn't have a whole lot going on at that point. And, uh, we got, ended up getting hired by, um, the upper peninsula travel, uh, UP travel Uptra to do a film that none of us really knew what it was going to be. Uh, again, they, they, they trusted me and they pulled together the budget for it. You know, it wasn't, it was essentially only our time. Well, and broken van parts and broken bike parts and broken drone parts, but like, which are all chronicled in the film. Yeah, which are all chronicled in the film. And like from a from a documentary standpoint, it was it was a fine budget because most documentaries are filmed with no budget or you know just personal savings or maybe a little bit from family and friends. I mean, that's nobody's getting rich in the doc world. Uh, maybe Jimmy Chin or, uh, <laughs> but it, it, he was but he was already doing well anyway. So you know, it was a twenty five thousand dollar budget, which you know you're. From the, I've had a lot of people go like, damn, like you get paid 20, like $25,000 to run around with cameras in the UP. It's like the cameras are just was, the tip of the iceberg. It was 17 days on the ground, three people, at, you know, just, just do the hourly rate on that. And, and then we had to edit it. And that's what I mean. And, the tip and, of the iceberg. Like yeah, it's like yeah. people talk about just the podcast. Like, yeah, I record it yeah. for whatever I record, but then I got way more than that. And some people don't and just release unedited podcasts, but I don't. So I could. Yeah, no, that's just audio, like the video end. Holy cow. And to go music, through it all. Yeah. Music licensing, um, you know, cause we, we, we try and, you know, we, we compensate people for music, whatever we can. Uh, and so, um, which you should, I mean, I shouldn't even have to say that for but, sure. Um, um so yeah, I mean, it was, it was a, essentially a break-even budget is the way I looked at it. And the way I, I approach those is we, we have parts, parts of our job are very lucrative and we feel super blessed to be able to get paid, you know, well to do fun and relatively easy, enjoyable work. And so the flip side of that is I take on these projects that are essentially passion projects, you know, lightly funded passion projects to 
keep the juices flowing, you know, the total creative freedom. So it's, it's a break from, you know, maybe commercial work or something where you, you, although we, we have quite a bit of freedom there too, but you essentially get to do whatever, whatever you want and somebody's going to pay you. So it's a paid, paid vacation in a way, which then you feel really guilty because you're watching these people suffer and <laughs> just get beat down daily. But yeah, I mean, we, uh, we crashed a couple of drones. We, we got the van, you know, just buried. insanely buried in red, red clay. Uh, just like in this weird, you know, seven hours, like 45 degrees, borderline hypothermic, getting dark. Like it was legit. It was, I've, I've been, I've been to that edge quite a few times with various trips, like uh, winter, winter trips, ice climbing, like, and I always joke that, you know, an adventure is just a really poorly planned expedition. <laughs> we were definitely on an, exped- uh, on an adventure that day because it was, I knew I shouldn't have done that. I knew I shouldn't have tried to, you know, in the UP, if there's not a road, there's a reason, you know? And so like when, when you're, when you're <laughs> Never looking heard at that the said, map, but I could totally understand. Oh, it's, you know, it's what I, I realized, you know, everybody, I think when you first encounter the UP, you're just like, whoa, it's wild. And, you know, there's just this big green spot on the map, you know, it's like, I remember my, my father-in-law, you know, when he first, we were moving to the UP, he like cracks open the map book and he's like, there's a lot of green. And I was like, hell yeah, there is. But then you get up there and, you know, you get into the landscape and you realize that, you know, I mean, Yes, it is a very wild landscape, but there have been people mining, logging, exploring, fishing, hunting this place for, I mean, white people for a couple hundred years. And before that, Anishinaabe, like it's if there's a reason to go someplace in that landscape, you know, whether it's food, water, minerals, timber, whatever, just fun. There's probably somebody who's been there before you. and then somebody who followed them and followed them and followed them and kept, kept that road open. So when you're looking at the map and there's not something there, don't go there <laughs> or at least don't go there in a giant van. Yeah. You know, like even if it's four, it's four wheel drive or it's, it's all wheel drive, but it's, it's, let's just call it a four wheel drive. It's lifted. It's a very capable for, for its size. It's very capable. And we, we buried it to the gills for seven hours and you know how did you get out of there did did you seriously just dig out and use you know the the orange boards and that i don't even know what those are called but i know you used them yeah the max tracks (laughs) yeah so the so the beauty of max tracks and when you see all these vehicles the overland thing is so hot right now i never knew what those boards were until i saw that that video i'm like oh that's what those things are used for i never would have thought of it they are preventative they are not a rescue they are not a rescue technique (laughs) They are prevent, they are best used preventatively. And I think everybody who has clean ones on the side of their Tacoma, if they ever go anywhere, are going to get a wake up call that like, honestly, to that point, I had only really used them. Um, I bought them. I forget. I bought them for one of my old vans. I've had a series of four wheel drive vans and I've used them in the winter. I've used them when like the FedEx guys gotten stuck in my yard, you know, in the winter. And, And so we've like, use them to, to get the FedEx some traction and tone them with a tractor, blah, blah, blah. Anyway. So I've had them with me all the time, but I hadn't used them in that kind of situation. And, uh, they, uh, no. So rewind 
I'm standing on the roof of the van on the the big fancy, you know, the big fancy roof rack that I put on it. And I've got one bar of signal and I've got a friend in Calumet who knows a lot of people in the Keweenaw and the Western UP. And so I reached out to him and I'm like, dude, we are absolutely buried someplace, you know, outside of Antonagon, Greenland, uh, Misery Bay is is the probably the closest spot on the map, you know, Twin Lakes, like there's just nothing there for a reason. And uh, I'm like, we're, we're stuck. Like, do you know anyone over here? And he's, he, uh, he had the number for the guy who owns and runs the adventure mine in Greenland where the, uh, the Soki race is held. Yeah, actually, the Miner's my- Revenge. Miner's Revenge. Yeah. There's, there's some trails there where the, you know, you ride through the mine and all that. So, uh, Matt, uh, Matt from adventure mine. So he gave me his number. So he's, you know, as the crow flies, that guy's only like five miles away, but the reality is, you know, he might as well be on the other side of the globe. So I, I mean, <laughs> I call, I call him, I either called or texted him and just, you know, explain the situation super cryptically. And he is not there. Cause like, I knew he had like these old, like, like pins, pinzager, like these old, like Swiss military vehicles that they use at the mine. Like they have like tracks. And I was like, Oh, maybe he can get here and pull us out or something, you know? And, uh, so I, uh, he, he wasn't around. He was like gone on vacation or just out of the area, but he knew some people like on the local, like volunteer fire department or something like township EMS. Uh, so he reached out to those guys and, you know, like a couple of hours go by and, you know, we're, we're trying, but like this man's it's heavy and it's just totally gelded, you know, it's just totally stuck. And, uh, then we hear these ORVs, we can hear ORVs approaching, you know, we didn't know who it was. And so you could hear them and, uh, then they, they get, you hear them starting to go away. And, you know, and you're just like, no, no, no. So we you get out, we start, we're honking the horn. It's like, rrr, rrr. and then we, we hear the motors get louder again. And, uh, I had, you know, I dropped the pin. I was able to drop a pin, um, and, and get it to whoever was coming. Uh, and these, yeah, these two, like really small side-by-sides pop out of the woods with a couple guys in them. It was like one guy and a buddy were coming to help and they ran into somebody else and we're like, Hey. And so both these ORVs show up these side-by-sides and uh, they have winches and they had to get around us because they had, we had to get pulled forward and which is the wrong way. You know, we don't want to go forward. (laughs) Oh, it gets, yeah. The deeper you go, the deeper you go, or the deeper you get, the deeper you get. And uh, they were able to, uh, with the winch and then chained off to a tree uh, so the side by side is like chained to a tree with the winch, so it doesn't pull the side by side. The two of them were able to give the van just enough help that it, it actually crawled out itself. Um, it just needed that little bit of pop. So they pulled us out. It's getting dark. We, uh, you know, we shake hands and we think we're golden now because I mean, I still this was all based off of like a sat photo that I had downloaded that showed a route. And I was, I was sure that we weren't, that we just weren't quite on that route and that it's just ahead. And so we shake hands, they take off, go back to their families and, you know, it's starting to rain. 
And I'm like, all right, well, we're going forward. And, you know, there's just mud, like clay, just gooey, like dripping down from everywhere in the van. It, you know, it's in the cab. It, it's on our hands. It's just, we're soaked to the bone, just like starting to get silly. And we go forward, which involves like this super, you know, for a while it's good. And we're, we think we got it. We're like, yeah, this is the right road, you know? And then the road just gets narrower and narrower and narrower. It turns to grass. It goes down through a stream bed, like literally drove through, drove the van through a river. And like, I'm like, you know, I've been a Trout Unlimited member forever. Like, you don't do that stuff. That's wrong. And here we are driving our freaking van through this trout stream, you know, and like up the other side. And and you get to the other side and it's just like this sedge, like this, this like floating bog, essentially. Of And there's these just black tire stripes going off in every direction from four wheelers and ORVs that have been there ahead of you. And you realize like this, this goes nowhere. Like everyone, like at this point, everyone was like, Oh, I wonder where this goes. And they went that way. And they're like, you know, low consequence side by side or, or four wheeler. And, uh, we start using the tracks the way they're meant to be used, which is you lay them down, you drive over, you lay them down, you drive over, you lay them down. And we just, it, it doesn't get any better. I mean, it just gets, start getting narrower and wetter. If we're going through, you know, uh, like I'm, I'm almost crying at this point. Like I'm so just frustrated and I'm just kicking myself for being this stupid. It's like Aaron Peterson, this shit doesn't happen to Aaron Peterson because he knows better. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I'm, but you had Todd Paquette in the mix. <laughs> you know, it wasn't Todd's fault. He was on a bike. It made, it made no, he's probably laughing. A, as, he's, if he heard this story, he's probably laughing, like ear, grinning ear to ear and totally laughing at this. I think I did get one text off, off to him just saying like, Hey, we're stuck. You know, we'll, we'll meet up with you tonight, you know, or like, you know, we'll probably be here a few, we'll probably be a few hours late, you know, meeting you at the next. Yeah. Cause we, you know, we, we wanted to get ahead and, and we wanted to film, you know, it's a really rugged landscape that they were going through that day. And we really wanted to film it. You're kind of leading into the por- porcupine mountains area. And, uh, so yeah, we, uh, we got the van turned around and blasted back through all the stuff we just came through. Um, you know, broke some suspension parts in the process, <laughs> um, made it out to pavement. You know, we'd spent literally all day getting to that point. And I think we were back to pavement. Where you started? It felt like 20 minutes, maybe 15, 20 minutes, you know, of, of, you know, go, it always seems shorter going back, you know, whatever reason, but yeah, we blasted out. We popped out of the woods, going down the highway, clay is just flying off of the van, leaving this trail behind us. We hit this pasty shop, you know, just before it closed and we all got, we all got warm food and got some life back into us, a couple red bulls, you know, the tires were running on like 15 pounds of pressure. Cause we had, Pasties you know, we and red bull. <laughs> if the miners had had that man, like, you know, they would have the the world. That had, yeah, they'd still be down there. Working. <laughs> but we, uh, yeah, we, we swung by this gas station and like, you know, this is the Uper spirit. This is why I love living up here. Just the, the, you know, the, we asked if they had air cause we had air down. Uh, and didn't have an air compressor on board. So, you know, the tires are like at 15 pounds, 20 pounds, maybe. So it's just like, you know, riding on, gel, on jelly. You're just all over the road, tearing up the tires probably. But the we went back to the guy's, the guy's house. He showed us his homemade knife collection because it's the UP. <laughs> and we aired up our tires. And 
got back on the road, made it to the, you know, the, they ended up in a hotel that night because it it had been pretty cold and rainy and everybody was getting kind of beat down and they, uh, they opted for a, for a hotel that night. So we gladly took up, took, took, got in the hotel too and got the clay cleaned off and everything. And then, uh, but yeah, that was, that was like the muddy, wet West part of the UP. And then it was fairly mellow until this dry, sandy part of the Eastern UP. And then that was a whole nother story of just, you know, trying to go fast enough that you don't sink in trying to like, essentially you're a, you're a boat now and you're trying to stay on plane, you know, on the, on sand, but there's all these whoops, you know, from all the ORVs. So, I mean, this, this, the van is just bouncy, just slamming and, you know, shit's flying around in the van and people are holding on for dear life. And, and we broke more suspension parts. My favorite bike. I backed into a lamppost. It was on, I have a, a one-up racks vertically on the back of the van. And I was, we were trying to get breakfast pasties. We had a lot of pasties and biscuits and gravy on that trip, but we were in Ironwood and I was trying to like, uh, pull into a parking spot, like back into a parking spot. And, and I backed into a lamppost with my, it's a titanium bike with a carbon fork. It's a, it's a muckluck. And, uh, there's sound like a gunshot. And I, I was like, I had no idea what happened. And like, we get out and there's like, these old guys are in the, the window of the past, the shop, you know, like looking out on the street with their coffee, like, Oh, you're really addictor, bud. <laughs> you know? Most excitement they had all day. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, there were, there were pieces a hundred feet down the street, like pieces of the head tube and, and uh, the fork is shattered the carbon fork. Just titanium didn't was fine, you know, <laughs> but yeah, so trash, trash my bike. Had to go get that fixed for guys at Sports Rack bailed me out, but twenty five thousand dollars budget. Yeah, and and <laughs> and all through this, like these these guys and gals, I mean, two men, two women, like they did not stop riding. They just, you know, we'd see them just, and you know, creatively, we're like, how does this not just become a collection of? here they come, there they go shots, you know, like what, how are we going to, how can you watch someone ride bikes for 17 days, you know, or 1600 miles? Like, how can you, and I go into every project going, this is going to be 10 minutes or less because 45 minutes, wasn't it? (laughs) 42. Yeah. (laughs) 42. And uh, yeah, so that guy, again, having creative freedom is, is nice. Um, yeah, it's 42 minutes and, you know, 13,000 people have watched it on Vimeo, which, I mean, those aren't huge numbers, but for 13,000 people to consume 42 minutes of content, I do the math. I mean, that's a lot of eyes. That's a lot of like minutes watched. So it's, yeah, it's been successful. And again, the goal is to sort of, it was a love letter to the UP, right? Like it was, I got hired to essentially create a video postcard of the upper peninsula that had some bikes in it, you know, and like, there's, there's a narrative. The people in the film are not the characters in the film. The landscape is the character in the film. Like that is the central character. And I, we, you know, we, we knew that going in. I was like, we can't make this ab- about them because we don't know what's going to happen. We don't want this to be a reality show. And like, you know, somebody's getting mad at somebody or, you know, like definitely we need to like, needs to be that there's their story needs to be in there. But like the main character here is the landscape that there is this place where you can go ride a bike for 17 days 
you know, and, and like, there's this big ass wild place in the Midwest. Did you know? And, uh, and like Tad says, it gets left off of maps. Well, and that was the other thing, you know, I, I went into it with, okay, we're going to, we're going to tackle this, like the left off the maps thing. Cause there's actually Bugsy sailor, uh, the guy that I started the festival with the film festival. Uh, he, he has like this UP blog that he's been doing for a while. And he, he has like documented a lot of the cases where a lot of the more infamous cases where the UP has been left off the map, uh, like just these little case studies. And I was like, okay, we got to work that in. And I, and I was like, okay, how are we going to break up the writings, the writing sequences, like how are we going to like make this palatable? So, you know, you watch some bikes for a minute or two and then you get a little humorous break. You watch some bikes or two. So I, I was, I had originally planned on like throwing these case studies in there, like where it's been left off the map. And when it came down to it, it just, it felt a little heavy handed. We had good footage. So I wanted that to be worked in. Todd mentions it. And I, I felt like that, that was enough was you know but yeah the idea is it's this unforgettable journey in this unforgettable place there you go and if you want to learn more about all the times the up's been left off the maps it's not it's not hard to go find that that information but but yeah 42 minutes and uh i don't know i i i like it i've watched it a couple times and you know a lot of times you get that cringe it's like coming home and hearing your voice on the answering machine or you know you, when you hear your own voice, you know, it's like seeing your own work. A lot of times there's just this, you only see the warts, you know, I, I think at least I do, uh, you know, yeah, it's like, you, you always want it to be better. Yeah. And I mean, there's definitely warts, but like, it's fun. And you it, learned a lot, I'm guessing outside of getting unstuck. But I mean, just the lessons that you learned over those 17 days were probably, I mean, they're, they're was, literally priceless. There were so many. Yeah. I learned, you know, I lived in the UP now for 20 years. And again, like, like life in general, you start to think, you know, it, you know, and then, and then it teaches you, you don't, you know, it knocks you down or whatever. But this, luckily this was a little bit more gentle. It was just like, I've never explored the UP at this pace. Cause even though we weren't on bikes, I mean, we were on bikes for parts of it, but like we were going at essentially a bike pace, you know, we'd leapfrog ahead. And then we'd have time to sit, sit and wait and, uh, or explore or, you know, and one was cool. Cause I do, I do know a lot of places in the region and I have some kind of weird memory or story from a lot of these places. So I was able to kind of walk, walk my guys through a lot of that and a lot of stuff they didn't know and, you know, share stories and, and connect on that level and show them things in the UP that I had experienced before. But then there were these other zones where like, it's like that medium awesome stuff. Like it's, it's medium awesome. So like when you have a couple days, you, you go for the really awesome stuff and maybe it's that stuff you never quite get to because it isn't like, it isn't Copper Harbor, you know, it isn't Copper Harbor. It, it isn't, you know, Grand Marais, Minnesota. It isn't, you know, lacrosse, <laughs> but um, like we spent an entire day, like, or half a day driving along the Menominee river down on the Wisconsin border. You know, the Menominee river is the Wisconsin border, uh, in the South of the, of the UP. And there's this dirt road that goes along it for, I don't know, it's gotta be like 60 miles. And I had never been there. I had no idea like how beautiful the river was uh, that there's this great strip of gravel down there. And then even when you're on pavement, it's like, 
there's no cars because it's the UP and, you know, it's farm country down there uh, or, you know, what passes for farm country in the UP. So you're rolling on blacktop, but it's like, you can, you're riding down the middle of the road or whatever. There's no, there's no traffic. There's no worries. I, I don't like riding in traffic. I, I'm just not an urban guy. Cars scare the hell out of me. So I try and stay off roads, but we were down there and, and it's just like, wow, like this is, super cool for a tour down here you know it's like okay i'm gonna come back and i'm gonna i'm gonna hit that spot or like you roll past like a little chain of lakes that you didn't know was there and it's like oh so we're like you know like we were joking we ate biscuits and gravy like and you know like we, we pretty much have sampled all the biscuits and gravy in the entire region because like every, it was sort of a mission we were like okay let's find biscuits and gravy today because they i mean they got up so damn early oh yeah to get on the, on the road, you know, to make their mileage. So we, we'd get up and we'd film them getting ready and stuff, but then it's like, well, now what? Well, let's go out for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> and again, like there's this guilt because like, we're having this totally like opposite experience, you know? So we, we brought them breakfast sandwiches. Uh, I think a few times, you know, we'd like pick up an extra breakfast sandwich and we'd find them on the road and do some hand ups, uh, of like homemade, homemade breakfast sandwiches and stuff. Uh, fill up their water but but yeah it was I, it was it was a really good experience I, it was really good i think for you know colin who worked for me at the time i wanted him to get some legit like doc filmmaking experience under his belt because i think what i do is one of the rare spaces where there's a balance of commercial work and silly work and I cherish that. I, I try and keep that a core of who we are to do projects that don't make sense all the time. And, uh, you know, he's since, he's since moved on. He's, yeah, he went back to the cities. He's got a, you know, a, a great paying job at a, at an agency, uh, an ad agency as an in-house guy, uh, shooting video and editing and photo. And, you know, they're grinding him to dust. <laughs> he's, there's not going to be a, a fun, silly doc project. So he, I wanted him to get that under his belt. And then Darren Schulte, who uh, he was with us for half of that trip. Um, he had been contracting with us like on an as needed basis for bigger projects. You know, also a bike guy came out of downwind sports uh, as a bike and ski tech there, but he has a film degree from, from NMU from uh, Northern Michigan university in Marquette um, ended up, you know, moving, bought a house like three miles away from me. So it was when Colin decided to move on, it was just this like, okay, Darren, you know, you're up. And, you know, now I've spent 10 days in the car with him uh, and, you know, saw him shoot and, and, you know, realized like, okay, like this guy's, this guy's solid, like next employees right there in line. And, uh, and then he helped edit a bit on it too. Um, but yeah. And then the editing story is almost shameful, man. Like, uh, we, I just, I just admit it. Like, uh, we procrastination, right? Procrastination is like masturbation. In the end, you're just fucking yourself. <laughs> That's a good sound bite. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know how kid friendly this is or we're sponsor good. friendly. We're or, good. There, are, there are no sponsors. So that's. But that's unfortunately that's me in a nutshell, but that's every project I've done, whether, I mean, cold rolled was like, you know, still the, the paint was still wet on that the day we released it. And this was, this was no different. Like I've been kind of editing it, 
for months and months and months and months because we, we wrapped up that trip june of 2021 and originally you know the clients had been like yeah can you have it done can we release it in july of 2021 and i was just like oh yeah sure you know kind of knowing that there's added it kind of knowing that there's no way in hell but it's just like yeah why not and you beg beg forgiveness right and uh but also thinking well we're not going to shoot the whole thing. You know, we'll shoot bits and pieces and we'll do a 10 minute edit and, you know, yeah, we'll, it, we'll keep it simple, which I mean, cold. Okay. Do you see the pattern here? Cold roll was supposed to be three minutes. It was 20, <laughs> you know, uh, the ice climbing film, which we haven't even talked about was supposed to be like five minutes. It ended up being 72, uh, <laughs> full, full feature, uh, and took three years. So this thing, you know, we ended up, shooting uh i think almost every day we took a few days away when we had to get the bike fixed and we had to get the van fixed and stuff like that so those were only partial days but we were essentially put 17 days of filming into it so you know i think we had around like six terabytes of footage and you know you have to go through that uh so luckily darren had gone through it um and just sort of you know did that first pass where you move up the good stuff it's a process we have everybody does it differently but um i was nervous because usually i do all the editing i'll sit down with all the footage and i will do that so then it's all in my head and and on paper uh i can start to i i know i know everything we have rather than kind of dive in cold and you know start dropping some clips here and then you get down there you're like oh but there's a better clip and then you gotta you know so it's just better if i do it all myself and but the reality, kind of like what I was saying with the brain stuff, like I can't do that anymore. I can't hold all that in my, in my head anymore. Like I used all my previous projects were like that, where I, I had all the footage in my head and it would take, you know, a little manic time. Honestly, let's, let's be honest, a little, a little, a little mania, uh, staying up all night for several days on end, which is an amazing drug <laughs> to <laughs> sleep, sleep deprivation and creativity mixed together are just this like awesome sauce that a middle-aged guy can't do, can't, can't take anymore, but it's a thrill. It's fun. And you're in that creative space and you just live in that space and you, you, you hover there. But so anyway, the whole project ended up getting edited in like less than, less than a week, less than seven days. So it was like, you know, just punching out segments, staying up, you know, crashing for a little bit, doing obligations that I had to do. But um, yeah. And, uh, you know, we were doing the final export. It released on, I think, Monday, May 16th, maybe. And literally we're doing like final exports at 6 a.m. And, you know, you hit, you stay up all night. And it's a self-imposed deadline. I, I just told everybody like, cause I just, you just have to set a deadline or it'll never get done. So it's like, it's going to go, it's going to, going to drop on at noon on the 16th. And you know, it's 6am you've stayed up all night. You hit export. It's going to take two hours to do the, the export or whatever. So you're like, ah, I'll go to bed for two hours. I'll get two hours of sleep, set the alarm. You know, you get up, you come back upstairs and you just see like something red, you know, it's like, it didn't work. You know, it just like, it, it bonked on the export or something happened because it's just, 
Adobe Premiere is this amazing and terrible program at the same time. Like it, it can do anything, but it sometimes it, you can do nothing and there's no explanation why and no one knows just because Premiere. Without it, you know, we wouldn't be able to do anything, but with it, it's some days you can't do anything either. So yeah, it was, the paint was wet. I mean, we were sideways on fire coming in, you know, and the whole time I'm, I'm you know, I'm always, I always try and be sensitive to the people that are in the projects, the subjects, because it's their story, it's their identity. It's, you know, my client was UP Travel. So, you know, but I, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, giving Todd updates and just, you know, like, hey, you know, it's not going to be a little bit longer. It's just, I'm thinking just like, he, what are, he must just think we're insane. And, but then I'm asking an insane person. Yeah, it's going to say it's Todd Paquette. Like, <laughs> to understand the insanity. I think it's, a, it's not that hard of a sell. So, but yeah, it, it dropped and uh, it was, I, I'm proud of it. It's good. Um, you know, it's 42 minutes. I don't know that it'll go through the festival circuit. It's a little long, um, you know, running a festival. Like I say, the only thing I like better than a 10 minute film is a five minute film is a two and a half minute film, you know, is a one and a quarter, <laughs> like it's Man, shorter. The, you rarely watch something and say, I wish that was longer. You know, sometimes you do. And, you know, and then, you know, it was good. Right. But yeah, rarely are, rarely are you like, sometimes you watch something and you're like, wow, it's over. Like, well, that was 10 minutes, you know? And I, I think that's the sweet spot is 10 minutes. Get it in. Yeah. 10 minutes for a good, good three part story, you know, beginning, middle and end. I, I, I like, I like 10 minutes for a film length, you know, like, I mean, you can do a magic in less than that. Uh, there's a, we've got a little film. It, it's like an artistic piece. that will be in fresh coast this year. Uh, it's like a minute and a half or something, you know, it's called, uh, I am, I am salmon, I think. And it's, it's art, you know, it's just visual art, you know, but it's still a film. It still makes you feel and, and tells a story, but it's super simple and fast and art, artistic. And, uh, yeah. Speaking of time, I hit record three hours and 39 minutes ago. Granted, it won't oh, be no. three hours and 39 minutes long. And, I, yeah. and that's not a complaint. That's not, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just like, no, I, I remember Bryce's, you know, and I was just like, well, I, I talked like, to Bryce for, we talked, we talked for over three hours. I recorded two and a half of it. I should have went in hot and recorded the whole thing. He is as, you know, there's a depth to his life that I think is unmatched. I mean, that's like true Renaissance. Like I only met him once and you know, there aren't a lot of, t- I didn't know anything about him. I didn't know that he spoke Russian, Chinese. Yeah. And probably Kaz- every Kazakh. year was in multiple well he lived in he lived out of the united states for a long long time like yeah over a decade. That. you sit down at the table and like there's somebody that speaks chinese you know it's like whoa like you know i've kind of let that whole part of my brain lapse you know it's like you have to like wipe the hard drive right make make room for the new stuff it's like oh, i'm gonna learn video editing well we're gonna have to wipe you know yeah those ancient chinese texts you memorized <laughs> as a sophomore uh I recorded with uh, Jeremy P. McGee, who's a, he's a adaptive athlete. And I laughed when he said, oh, I'm going to use the bathroom because we sat in his van in Bentonville and that was three hours and 37 minutes of recording. And at the end we we're like, and we we're drinking beers while we we're recording too. You know? so, like, we're like, Fuck, we got to pee. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's been, a, I mean, it's been a wild ride. It's, 
And these you know, are good. Like, I mean, shit. Not that not that I'm Jocko Willink or, or Joe Rogan, but Jocko Willink puts up five hour podcasts. And what I was actually this jogged my brain. One of the things that has really helped me in life is that he put out a really short film, and it's called Good. Who's that? Jocko, Joe Rogan. Jocko Willink. I don't know. What... I'll send it to you. It's called. He's yeah. a he's a former Navy SEAL, and it's all he's a military guy. Oh, okay. But but he's like he he put out a short film that I've used in many times in life in recent okay. years at least because it probably came out like three years ago. Like you'll you'll it'll resonate with you probably more than almost anybody I've ever talked to. Okay. You know, and the and, yeah. the, and it's called good, and it's like you're still alive. I'm still breathing. Good. I can still live. I can still fight another day. Good. Like got knocked yeah. down, good. Yeah, you know what I mean. And it's yeah. it's that like kind of slap to reality of like, okay, get back on the path. Let's do this thing. Yeah, and Project um, Adventurous and, and <laughs> Unforgettable. Like that's like, <laughs> oh, we're buried for seven hours. <laughs> I absolutely had this feeling of of like, uh, oh shit! Like, do you ever watch the John Wick films? The John Wick movies. Oh, they're just like hyper violent. It's Keanu Reeves and he's just, he just oh, kills yeah, everybody. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's just, he just kills everybody. But in the very first one, you know, he's like, you know, he's out of the game. He's out of the game. And then like they kill his dog or something. And so he like, he's like, you know, am I back? Well, yeah, I'm saying I'm back. You know, and I was like doing John Wick quotes, like I'm back. Cause I, you know, I've been, I haven't done much, you know, I did 24 leeches, but honestly that was already pretty much done in 17. I just, didn't put it out i didn't i didn't like put the final polish and, and put it out it, but it was done and so that was like done by a, di- a, a different person it wasn't done by me since and i felt like yeah unforgettable was probably the first thing that um that i really felt that spark again you're um, back yeah yeah i just felt you know i felt the juices flowing and i didn't expect it honestly because i mean i didn't expect a whole lot of you know like a great thing to come out of it. I didn't, I didn't feel the story, you know, like Mar- Margie Jessic, like there's a story there. There's like a weird, you know, there's like that. And it's, it's a race event. Like there, there's a framework for it where this, it was like, people did some things because they wanted to, not because they had to. And yeah. Yeah. They chose but, to do the 17 day adventure. Yeah. It, nobody made them do that. It, you know, they weren't raising money for cancer or, you know, whatever. Yeah kids without bikes, they were, you know, so it just didn't have the story, but I, I it, it ended up, it did have the story, you know, they, they all had enough of a story and, and, you know, and we didn't have a chance to even talk to them most of the time. Cause they were just they're riding, riding their bikes. Riding. They're riding their bikes and then they were crashing <laughs> yeah. and then they were getting up and riding their bikes. And like, you know, we thought we'd be doing like little interviews along the way and like very little of that happened. Uh, or if it did, the audio was shit because, you know, dogs barking, somebody's talking in the background or somebody's dropping the F-bomb, you know, it like just wasn't like usable stuff. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a surprise. And I think that's what it takes. That's what it took to kind of shake me out of stuff was to sit down with the thing that I wasn't expecting to be good and have it be good and, and feel like, oh, shit, I did that. Okay, I can still do this. And but I'll, yeah, I'll check out. I'll check out good. I, I have heard the name now that I think about it. When you said the Navy SEAL thing, I, I've yeah, seen Jocko's, Yeah, he's like a TED Talk or something. He uses we, you, you. You threw out a word before we hit record. 
And he uses this word a lot. In fact, he named a book with this word, and that's the word dichotomy. Mm. Yeah. The, two, the, two the, dichotomy of, the, the dichotomy of leadership. Ah. I've li- I mean, I, part of the reason why I got into the podcasting world, um, there's, yeah. a, there's a bunch of reasons, but one of them was podcasts and his podcast, along with a bunch of other people's podcasts have what helped me out of and through my dark places. Yeah. Well, and just having the conversations, I mean, it, it it's, an, I mean, that, that was journalism for me, honestly, you know, and I mean, I, I had a, compared to a lot of people, I had a pretty good childhood, but there's, you know, everybody's got shit they got to work through. And talking to people, sharing other people's stories. And you do a really good job of not bringing yourself into it every time. So many podcasters do that. Where, and, and I'm guilty of doing that, but my shit gets edited out. Like I'll do that too. Video. I'll edit some of my stuff out purposely for that. Oh, I, I do it sometimes I, to, get, to keep the conversation going, but it gets yeah. pulled out, right? Yeah. So many people use it as a vehicle to go through their own shit. And, and it's, it's, it's so obvious sometimes and it, it takes it way off track. I, I do sincere, sincerely think you, you do a good job, um, whether Thank it's you. the actual interview or the, or the, or the editing, but um, I, I hadn't checked it out. And I, you know, I checked out Bryce's was the first one I did because I knew him. Um, and then, you know, we were just kind of clicking through it. We had a seven hour drive from, from home. Uh, and we listened to the one with, um, is it, is it Gary? Um, uh, Gary Q, QB, oh. Q, QBP Gary, not Gary, the old guy. Uh, he was oh, with yeah, Q yeah, forever. Yeah. It's Gary, Gary, Sh- Gary Showquist. Gary Showquist. Yes. You know, uh, Candy, yeah, Q, Candy yeah. has, a, has a connection with him and yeah. I didn't know, you know, how that stuff. It, it's, I mean, you're documenting a scene that hasn't been documented, you know, in the, the you're, you know, you're collecting the story of, of a lot, you know, the Midwestern rise and of mountain biking. And it's, it's cool to have it in one place and to have it told through people's stories. I mean, I know it's not just the Midwest, but. Yeah. And I mean, I went into this, like. No one comes, or my theory is, no one's going to come to my podcast to listen to me talk. And so I try to get topics or questions. And then, as you've probably noticed today, I shut up. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I mean, I'm like, Candy texted me. She's just like, Aaron, shut up. Like, cause she's tried to call again. I'm like, <laughs> we're still podcasting. He goes, Oh my God, Aaron, stop talking. Um, she's like, she knows me, but, um, yeah. Rick, Rich Roll uh, is another one. Well, I don't he's know an amazing listen. podcaster. He's another guy that I've listened to. Yeah, my my buddy, who's a uh, you might John Yonkers. He's a he's he's a Marquette rider. He's an attorney, but he you know he he's a vegan athlete guy, and and he got turned on to to Rick. I think through or Rick or Rich. Rich, Rich Roll. Yeah, it's Rich Roll. Rich Roll. Yeah, so he turned me on to him, and I I've listened to quite a a few of those. It's good philosophy, you know stuff. And he, damn, he's a good salesman. He, he makes me want to buy all the, all the shit he's hawking on the podcast. All his like, you know, what's funny supplements about and shit. So we were driving, my daughter and I were driving as two years ago. Now we we're driving down to a camp, blue dog kids camp. And she was going to participate. And we were listening to uh, Lance Armstrong's podcast, the move. And that was in, so it was in 2020 when they had, they moved the tour later in the year. And we, she's like listening to these advertisements. She's like, you've bought everything this guy is selling. And she's like six at the time or Lance? maybe seven. Well, and it was funny. Well, cause you know, he's got Roka glasses. I have Roka glasses on, you know, he pushes, um, 
what is it called? The power dot. Power dot is like an e-stim unit for like recovery. And I, I bought a power, power dot because I have back issues. You know, the aura ring, which is a sleep tracker. Like I have the, the aura ring is a sleep tracker. And she's like, I have a seven-year-old, <laughs> my seven-year-old daughter in the backseat of the vehicle laughing at me. She's like, you've bought all yeah. this stuff this guy is selling. <laughs> That's you know? hilarious. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know Lance was even like back in the conversation. Oh yeah. He's got, and I think some people have still tried to, he actually does a really good job of covering the tour. Okay. Via podcasting. He does it on video too. Like it, okay. so he does both. It's, it comes out on YouTube and on podcasting, but he brings George Hank happy into them. And he has Johan Bernil as his former, um, team manager, a team director. Um, and then he has a, I, th- I think the guy must've been a radio show host from Texas or something. So he's got kind of a ra- radio guy, guy that has a radio okay. voice with him. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't listened cool. to it much this year, but I'm not as into the tour this year, but he was, he's done a good job with it. Yeah. Do you have any words of wisdom that you'd like to close this one with? Cause this is, I mean, this has been, this has been a long one. It's good. It's really good. Oh, I'm going to break this into two parts. Okay. I guess same week. It'll come out the same week, but I'll do like a Tuesday, Thursday. Oh, wow. Well, yeah, I'm going to go back to my, uh, my, uh, my, uh, my sticky notes here. This is the, the things that I've, some of the shit's been on the sticky. I mean, this is like faded and th- this is what I do. Believe it or not, I've gotten to the point now where I get hired to come talk. It's crazy that anybody wants to hear me, let alone pay me uh, to come talk to like student groups and stuff, which is, I guess my, you know, my advice is geared towards maybe people that see what I'm doing and go, how the hell do you, do you get there? Like, how the hell did that happen? How, how, how does a guy get to do that for a living? And I look around and I, I don't really know myself, but I guess the closest I could say is to embrace the grind. Um, you know, there's, there's no substitute for just doing it and doing it and doing it and talking about what you're doing to other people and, and just, and doing it. I mean, you just, a lot of people I see go to school for it and then don't do it and talk about doing it, you know, and there's some great, there's some great quote. There's a, there's a Wisconsin author. I always forget his name. He wrote uh, like population 485. Uh, he's a humorist, but he grew up on a farm too. And he's just like, writing is a lot like uh, farming, uh, working on a farm. It's like, you just keep shoveling shit. And eventually you have a big enough pile of shit that somebody notices it. You know, <laughs> that's writing. You just do it and you keep writing. And I, I would say, you know, that's the same for this, but um, so yeah, uh, inspiration is for amateurs and the rest of us just show up and work. That's from, uh, the painter Chuck close. I think he, he just passed away recently. Uh, but yeah, uh, you, you don't sit around waiting for inspiration. You start doing it and you, you create your own inspiration. You create your own energy, you create your own luck. Um, I guess is something that I've found to be true, I guess. Um, let's see here. The only way out is through. <laughs> Those are like self-help ones. It's true. It's very true. Yeah, comparison is the thief of joy. That's that's a good one. And then this one, this one, I don't, I forget where this one came from. But this is more of a visual, and this is especially relevant for uh, podcasters and uh, video interview doc people too. That the word listen and the word silent have the exact same letters 
just rearranged. And that's probably for a reason. Listen more than you talk, which is not what I did in this interview, but hey, that's well, that's the be, point of this interview. That's, that's the point of it, right? <laughs> it's just weird being on this side of the mic. So that's the yeah. that is the point of the interview. It's I'm doing the listening and creating the silence and you're doing you're doing your thing and letting the world know what you're up to. And it's a, it's been a, it's been, I feel super fortunate to have captured this much audio with you and to be able to share your story and, and how you didn't take a conventional path to doing what you're doing and how you found, you know, you, you, you took inspiration out of different parts of the country and even the world and then brought it back to the upper Midwest. Cause yeah. I've thought yeah, the same it's... thing about the upper Midwest. Like people leave lacrosse here we are talking about lacrosse. People leave lacrosse to go to wherever Colorado, to wherever East Coast, to wherever West Coast, and then that only to find out that, like, you know what, being back home is pretty damn good. Oh yeah, I mean, when when we rolled into lacrosse a couple weeks ago, you know, coming in even on the on the highway, which you know it's a highway, you're coming in and you're like, are those clouds? Like, is that like is are those mountains? Like what? is that you know and, and the guys darren that's with me you know he he grew up uh, in sleeping bear dunes area of lower michigan which is you know it's a really beautiful area um you know had never had any experience in in i think maybe he had been through there once on an out west trip but it was probably at night you know and on the on the interstate but like we're rolling in and it's like damn like that is beautiful this is insane and this is like this hidden little corner it's like kind of like a little passed over area. I didn't know it existed growing up in Wisconsin, the driftless and, and lacrosse. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a gem for sure. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. Um, that's, I'll, I'll probably leave it at that. You know, I, yeah. I've got, I've got some insights into losing, losing Josiah, but it's, it's, it's a whole nother ball of wax. And it, it's so off topic, you know, it's, it's, it's spiritual and just, uh, I, I don't, <laughs> it's a whole nother thing. I maybe don't, you know, don't, don't be afraid of the things you don't understand. I guess that, you know, like there's, you don't have to understand everything. So much fear just generally speaking in life is derived from that too, from just not understanding something. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's not, yeah. I mean, it's not static. It, it changes. So it's always evolving and, and you just figure it out as you go. Oh, what is it? We're all, uh, we're all just winging it, you know, s some of us better than others or, you know, or some of us with more confidence or something like that. Like everyone is winging it. Uh, some just better than others or some, some with more confidence, I think was a uh, one that inspired me a long time ago, really struggling with confidence. I'm just like, yeah, go for it. Yeah. Well, that's Aaron, all I got. Yeah. I'm talked out, believe it or not. I, I, I can believe <laughs> it. I'm looking <laughs> it's noon. It's lunchtime. Yeah. One, it's one fifteen where you live. It's twelve fifteen where I live, and we got on at eight a.m. Yeah, nine a.m. your time. I'm gonna stay up all night and edit anyway. Yeah, no, I got a lot of editing to do. Also, <laughs> I got next week's. Yeah, this will come out in the middle of August. Next week's interview is with uh, Tom okay. Pro, who's former bike park manager of Whistler Bike Park, and now he oh yeah, one yeah. Of the three people of that owns Gravity Logic. Sweet, yeah. So very cool. Good stuff. Yeah, good stuff. I'm, I'm going to go back through the catalog, check out some more. I used to do more photo editing and that, like photo editing lends itself to podcasts, but video editing, you, you can't, yeah. you got to be. So podcasts are great um, for driving when you're, when you're driving. And that was why, yeah. and that was another, that's, I mean, that's another reason why I don't, I don't even, I don't want to go into the video world because I don't have that patience. I admire yeah. your patience, but like 
Podcasts are good for consuming when you can't watch something visually. Yeah. You know, it's funny. They've been around for so long and I really didn't get into them and just until a couple of years ago and uh, kicking myself. Yeah. But it's good stuff. Cool, man. Well, you do a good job. Keep it up. I, I, I appreciate it. I'm going to go back through the catalog and check out more of it and learn more about people all right around me, which I love. Yeah. Yeah. Stay, stay curious. Thank you, Aaron. Have a great day and enjoy the weekend. Right on, man. We'll see you in the fall. Yep, for sure. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. Links for the various topics discussed in the show can be found in the show notes. Our next episode features Simon French and all the things Simon is up to, including what it took to get Medina Bike Park going in Tasmania. If you like what you have heard, please take the time to share these shows with others. Sharing these shows will help create awareness of both the guests who have taken the time to be on the show and the podcast series itself. Also, if you're new to the Trail Effect Podcast, check out our ever-expanding library of episodes. Don't forget to please leave a rating and review, as this is one of the best ways to show your support for the Trail Effect Podcast. This podcast has been edited and produced by Evolution Trail Services. For more information about Evolution Trail Services, go to www.evotrails.com. If you have ideas on future communities or people to feature in Trail Effect, please don't hesitate to reach out by emailing evolutiontrails at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening.